Worrell Jung is an architecture and design studio based in New York, producing work that can be found in cultural, commercial, civic, and residential settings. The firm was founded in 2015 by Max Worrell and J. John Jung, who joined Susie Anetta on the line for a conversation about their life, work, and joint practice. This is the Design Dialogues. Thank you both so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for having us. Yeah, we're excited to be here. So I thought I might start at the very beginning and perhaps ask both of you um, if you remember the moment when you decided that you wanted to study architecture. Was there a particular moment in childhood where it was a bit of an aha moment or was it a slow, gradual realisation? I grew up uh, loving to draw all the time and I drew... I would. I'd be constantly be drawing. Like my when I was little, I spent a lot of summers without kind of summer camp that kids usually go up to. I would have to. I was kind of forced to go with my mom to her office downtown. She was a uh, a gemologist who praised jewelry. She had this tiny little office downtown Toronto, and I would sit in the corner uh, and be bored out of my mind, and and I would only have a piece of paper, and I would just draw anything from, I had an obsession with subway cars and airplanes. And so uh, uh, that eventually led me to uh, enrolling in an art school program in elementary school. And so I was always kind of connected to the visual arts uh, amongst other art disciplines. And uh, when I, I went on a trip to Hong Kong with my family uh, when I was 12 and my uncle was a practicing architect at the time, and he brought me into his office one day on a Saturday where nobody was there, and I was just very, very amazed to see the space that I knew was, you know, primarily meant for drawing, where there was rows and rows of table, like he worked at a large corporate office, and I sat at his desk. He left me there for a few hours, and I got to use his main line and drafting table. And I think at that moment, I was like, this is something I want to do one day. And I think that was probably the first moment. My, my father was an architect, and so it's a little bit of a more natural trajectory, so to speak. I was surrounded by architecture growing up. And I remember very, like one of my earliest memories is my dad, aside from being an architect, was also a professor of architecture at Oklahoma State University. And he would bring me to some of his, uh, he was lecturing there at the time. And so I would go with him to some of the lectures and see the studio space. And I must have been, you know, five or six running around the architecture school. And I think, so it was deeply uh, inset from, from an early age. And then I, I resisted it for a long time. Um, and then finally it was like, okay, this feels like the natural path and certainly something I was super interested in. So. 
And so you both studied at Yale. I firstly wanted to ask if that's where you met, but then to perhaps have each of you talk a bit about that experience and what it was like studying there and maybe what drew you to that school specifically. So, yeah, Jijian and I met actually on the first day of orientation at Yale. Um, as part of it, like the week before school starts, you're, when we were there, at least you had to do like a, a woodshop orientation class where you, you know, show that you demonstrate that you know how to use the, the tools and stuff and so you know how to your fingers <laughs> exactly um and so that's how we met um and started um a friendship that became more than a friendship um and so for us our experience at yale is is kind of always um when we look back it's it's very you know sentimental because it's it's where we met and where we forged the, the relationship that has brought us to where we are today. Um, so it's like a super important moment of our life. And also, so we, we feel like really lucky for that. Um, it was Yale at that time. We were there from 2004 to 2007. Um, was it uh, from our <laughs> You know, viewpoint was like a really special time. Um, Robert Bob Stern was the dean um, at the time, and was bringing in a really diverse um, field of you know professors and critics, and um, really the 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 thing that sets Yale apart from other programs is that they have visiting professors so there's a change uh, a new roster every spring or fall and they were consistently bringing in like the top names of architecture and so you have the ability to learn just very direct under these um, people so i think that was um, a great you know, learning environment for us yeah yeah and i, I think for me i i did I went straight from undergrad, which I also majored in architecture, uh, straight from there to grad school. So it almost felt like a continuation of architectural education, for better or for worse. I mean, I was burnt out after seven straight years of the studio. Um, my previous school, I went to Carleton University for undergrad, and it was very, very uh, conceptually driven, kind of the pedagogy there was geared towards, you know, searching for the profound and the mystical. And it was it was a great grounding. And I, I feel like the contrast um, at Yale was really taking that approach of critically analyzing everything, bringing critical thinking to a project, and not so much about uh, individualism and, and individual expression and artistic um, in Denver, in Denver's. And so I, I feel like that has helped shape um, how we, or how I approach my work personally. Um, you know, I feel like the undergrad, the people that, that were most profoundly influenced left the profession to pursue uh, other disciplines. And I feel like our classmates at Yale, the people that were most profoundly impacted all seem to have their own practices today. I think also like, our biggest takeaway is the people that we've been able to meet. 
Um, we, we continue to have lifelong friendships with a lot of people that we were classmates with, including professors, and, and that, that has really continued in, in our kind of life in New York, both personally and professionally. And I'm curious to know how the two of you work together. I'm always fascinated by creative duos. You know, is it, is it a divide and conquer kind of tactic? What does that sort of process look like? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because when, when we met at school, certainly we weren't working together. And then we moved to New York and we both were working in separate firms for a long time. And so when we started the firm, it was a little bit of a learning um, curve for how we, the process would unfold. And I think the closest analogy is that Jijang and I are both avid tennis players and you know tennis fans. And I think it's a little bit like a doubles match where we're both on the court and we're both doing important things during the process. You know, one of us might be at the net um, playing that position and somebody's serving. And so it kind of trades off and it's a real uh, kind of collaboration between the two of us and there's no like it's not like one of us is the design partner and one of us is the business partner we're we're both like who you know involved in all process all the entire design process for for each project so um but it is also a little bit of divide and conquer um one of us is is formally the lead on the, on each of the projects uh, it, there's no kind of uh, systematic way that we divide and conquer how we choose who leads the project, but that person becomes basically the liaison or point person to the client and also uh, managing the team externally and internally in the studio. Mm -hmm. uh, but but we, we like to think of each other as, as equals in terms of collaborators on every project, so we're we sit down together, uh, just both both of us and also uh, other studio members who are on the project, and it's a very collaborative process uh, when we're designing. And also those voices, um, whether more at the forefront or in the background, are are have an important part in our conversations with uh, outside consultants and especially with the clients. So I think you started the studio in 2015. Could you talk a little bit about how it's changed? I mean, I imagine the team has grown, um, but you know, how has that sort of changed how you work in terms of, I guess, yeah, with more projects and a bigger team and you know the management that comes with running a business as well as wanting to continue to be creative and hands-on. How how's that all looking now? It's uh, challenging, <laughs> but I think it's also like. Uh, very exciting for us. You know, when we started the practice, it was just the two of us and we didn't have any staff and the projects were small and we were, you know, very eager to just do everything from, you know, from the very initial sketches all the way to doing the construction documents and overseeing the construction. And I think as the studio has grown, um, the process, our kind of design process has stayed the same, but the thing that's been I think really rewarding both personally and professionally is that having the additional people in the office makes like for more voices and a, a richer design conversation around the table. And I think the projects are better for it. And we're, you know, we kind of rely heavily on 
our team um, to, to make these projects better. And I think we really, you know, thrive on that conversation of like sitting around the table and hashing out the design ideas and then also working through the details and, um, you know, we, we kind of get excited about all of that stuff. So I think for us, it's been, you know, it's, it's, it was hard at first to, to relinquish some of that control, but I think once we established um, the process that it was actually kind of quite natural and, and made it better. And, and liberty again, <laughs> you know, there, there's so much we can learn from young people. <laughs> uh, I, I also think what, what was a big kind of slow evolution was, you know, when we were first out on our own, you know, we had to be hustling and scrappy and taking on any kind of work that we were getting. So uh, we relied heavily on referrals of very small projects, bathrooms, kitchens, apartment renovations, and it would be like, oh, so-and-so, we, we, we know someone that is looking for an architect to do this work, you should talk to them. And, and now the caliber of clients has really evolved for better, obviously, like we are now being sought after because of the work we've done. And that's a very, very different starting point for conversation with potential clients. And, and it just elevates uh, the process and the kind of goals and expectations. It also, you know, adds a bit of a challenge because they come with a certain expectation or or idea of who we are, who we might be for them. So, and it only makes it more interesting at the same time. Yeah, I imagine. And so, I wanted to ask you about your your work, how you would describe that, and or perhaps how you would describe your approach or your philosophy to architecture. Could you talk a bit about that? Yeah, I, I mean, this is a loaded question for us, and I think, honestly, and. and an evolving thing. Um, I think what we've been thinking about lately is trying to um, think about our approach as, as something very accessible in terms of a broader audience understanding it. And so much of it is about clear communication. Um, I think in a broad sense, architecture is a physical manifestation and reflection and representation of humanity in itself. So what we build is um, a metaphor of, of our own kind of attributes and personalities. And so we, we look at humanity and what are the best things out of humanity and they are, they are kindness and generosity. Uh, and, and I think more importantly, that's re uh, relatable to architecture is this sense of curiosity and willingness to completely uh, learn and immerse yourselves in situations where you're you're in the unknown and you're exploring and and a sense of wonder or searching for a sense of wonder to to better understand ourselves and the universe out there so I, I think architecture and I don't know how that how that might effectively translate to to work but I think, you know, humanity has a history of needing to be resourcefulness. So I think architecture also needs to be resourceful 
making the most out of not a lot and you know serving the most basic function of shelter but also you know it, stimulating a sense of wonder and curiosity and being playful i think those are things that we try to seek out whether consciously or subconsciously in our process but at the moment those are things that that stick out and are important to us yeah i think too like for us like to just add to that <clears throat> we're always trying to identify and uh clarify what is essential and highlight that and, and sometimes it, it comes across and trying to like simplify space um so that it's it's pared down to like the absolute essential or the most elemental um <clears throat> and then i think too in the work there's always because there is this kind of pared down reductive quality to it that we appreciate a little bit of a double reading that you can read at a different scale so from you know from afar you might just say that oh that's like a simple black barn um but then uh, upon further you know review or experience around it it unfolds and kind of uh multiple you know scales are just displayed throughout that you know interesting materiality of play of light um so all of that's kind of playing within this what you know there's the other analogy that i like to think about is like you know ducks just swimming on the water like you can look and it's like oh that duck's just having but there's a lot of energy being uh you know happening underwater so that that duck's moving and i think that kind of speaks to our architecture like you can look at it and be like that was just simple but there's a lot of energy and effort and iterations that that take place before it gets to that simple looking um, yeah I, we like to joke that we spent a lot a lot of time and effort to make it seem like we didn't uh yeah no that's great i well i want to ask you about clients i mean you sort of mentioned before that the i guess the caliber or the type of clients that you're attracting now is quite different given the portfolio that you've pulled together um and I imagine that, you know, great work is often the result of a client that will, you know, or a good client relationship. And I, I wondered what that represents for you, a, you know, a great client-architect relationship or what are the kind of key factors that you'd be sort of wanting to have within that situation? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's such a, you know, storyline of like great projects rely on great clients. And I think certainly that's been the case for for a lot of our projects and actually we now we kind of tell clients early on like you are as critical to this design process as we are as the site is as your budget is as as everything because for us we really rely on the client to be super involved and like engaged and you know push us push us and question us and and be a real you know part of the conversation and i think you know, there's certain clients that love that and are really engaged and do well. But, you know, we've had a couple clients that are just not engaged. And, I, you know, we the, the projects have kind of struggled because of that. And so for, for us, the client, we really want them to be, you know, engaged and involved. And, and, um, and luckily, most of them are. So, yeah, we, we, I guess we think of them as part collaborator and part critic. And you know, really rely on their feedback to help shape the project. I think 
I think in the end, where we, where we, when we're looking back, what we think is the most successful projects are ones that uh, we could see a lineage of progression of a design that um, would not have resulted unless it was a, it is essentially a product of that unique conversation and journey. Um, like we wouldn't have been able to come up with the, the end result without their feedback and vice versa without our involvement. And I, I think those that process is very exciting for us. Um, and I, I think it's also very, you know, we have lots of clients that are creatives themselves, even some that are architects, and at times that could be intimidating uh, because, you know, we're working with sometimes people that are have a whole career of, of creativity and production. Uh, and, and so how do we insert ourselves in, in that, you know, wealth of knowledge and experience? Uh, but, you know, if all it is is tackling the issue at hand and, and just having a conversation that usually leads to things that are very interesting and, and uh, kind of cooperation that yields something interesting. And so your work, I think, like much great architecture, seems to be very site-specific, context-specific. And so I wondered... How much time? I mean, do you have a set amount of time that you like to spend on a site when you're beginning a new project or while you're working on something? Is there, a, you know, an ideal amount of time to be able to soak up the location? And, and I guess similarly, do you try and get back there after it's completed to see how it's kind of aging over time? For us, the the landscape and the the larger context is critical to our you know design process. So. The site visit is, is one of the very first things we do before we even like put pencil to paper. Um, and in an ideal scenario, we're able to visit the site, you know, multiple times. And but I think what happens is we usually go to the site with the client, walk around, you know, take initial impressions, and then we're usually so excited to get started that we start sketching right away. And so the the process is off and running, but. There's oftentimes what we what we do is like once the design is started, we we go back early early in the design process and do a little bit of a gut check on uh, you know calibrating views, calibrating you know existing trees that we want to maintain, uh, understanding now that the design is a little bit more set, like what is working and what's not, and that's been really important to us to just kind of test it out in the site. And then certainly, like, um, when construction starts, we're visiting the site to, again, verify everything before, you know, shovels hit the ground. And so that's a really, really critical time where we've had a couple projects that we end up tweaking and rotating just a little bit, you know, a degree here, a degree there. Um, so I think for us, it's like, it's really a super important part of the project. And, and we... I think to also to like tie into the client thing, like luckily for a couple of our projects, we've been, we've kind of developed a friendship with the, the clients. And so we're able to go back after the project's been done and see, you know, spend time on the site and see how the, the landscape is evolving. And, is and how the spaces get lived. And I think that's really fun and satisfying to see. I think also site visits are so important because 
it's kind of a, a painful realization that our memories are very plastic and it's not that you go see a site and you're like, I got it, I, I know what it's like. Every time, uh, the more time you spend away from a place, uh, your memory of it changes your perception of it. And when you go back, you're like, oh, it's different. And yeah. that's not how I remember it. I remember it being much more expansive or, or I remember it being smaller. And of course, when you throw out uh, the the natural environment where the seasons change, things grow, things erode. Um, it's it's so important to go back and, like Max said, it's, it is a luxury to be able to go back um, a lot, and not every project affords that. Um, but even even in the building process, you know, things that you think of as static when we create spaces, our memories of those things are also plastic. I would say. Um, when you go back to see your own um, designs realized in a physical form, your perception of those things are constantly evolving. And I think you know, having attention and physical presence and seeing it in person is so important to delivering a successful project. Also, the, the necessity of, you know, we think of the builders and everybody involved as, as such a key collaborator and team member that this constant and consistent communication with them, uh, with the client, uh, is, is so necessary to, to do uh, buildings that are responsible, that don't steer off course, that you get the, the, the details and means and method correct. We, we rely on feedback from builders to to make suggestions to make things better, more economical, uh, more have more longevity. So there, there's so many reasons to to be there. Um, I, I wouldn't want to be in a project only up until design is over and you hand it off to somebody that that is not something that is ideal by any means and not not a process that we were we try to avoid. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny too, thinking about like the idea of visiting sites. Um, going back to that, we we are actually getting ready to build our own house upstate, um, about two hours north of the city, and we've been on the property probably 20, 25 times, walking around, you know, getting a sense of the site and the contractor. We had a call this morning and he was like, we're going to start digging the house. And my heart sank because it's just like, there's something so permanent about that, that I'm like, did we get it right? And so I, I feel like it's given us a lot of compassion for and empathy for clients to like, there is a big leap when it goes from like us from paper to actually like shovels in the ground. And, um, we're going through that right now. Yeah. It, it is an interesting process to do this. It's so familiar of a process for us, but then yet so unfamiliar. How much longer did that take than what it would normally take? And you know, like how how has that process differed? Did you change your mind a million times? Oh my god! I think you know it's interesting because we were we were working on it like it, we didn't really have it in the office. It was more like we were working on it nights and weekends. You know, sketching around the dining room table and and actually, you know, it didn't have a lot of like. Uh, rigor or schedule to it. It was just kind of like when we had time. And then we actually made the conscious decision to bring it into the office as a project. 
and it actually to that point of like how the studio and the process has changed it made by giving it some like you know an official project name and staff on it in the office and a team um it became a much better project and i think it you know the conversations about I, it was i think it was challenging for some of the people in the office working on it to have to you know talk with us about <laughs> what we wanted but um, yeah but it, i think it ended up being a fun collaborative process uh deandra in our office uh was the project manager and she really helped us uh structure a conversation that because it was around the table because it was in our studio we treated it more as you know a, a design problem an architectural problem that a, a group has to has to solve and it was less about you know a married couple <laughs> sketching over a kitchen island and be like how about this how about this that would go we, we found was going nowhere <laughs> yeah yeah that's so interesting i imagine also bringing it into the office kind of I don't know, it gives it some kind of impetus to actually make sure that it happens rather than being revised every night over dinner. I mean, we probably have like 40 plus iterations of previous, you know, plans and designs. Maybe that was the difference. It was like sober conversation. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would love to see it when it's finished. That's, uh, yeah, that's going to be interesting for sure. Yeah, I would love to see it too. <laughs> so I want to now ask you about your inspiration. I know a lot of architect friends of mine travel a lot and, you know, will do these kind of pilgrimages, you know, see the work of architects that they admire. And I'm wondering if that's something that the two of you do when you have the opportunity. And if so, you know, where do you go? Who are the architects' work that you're sort of following? You know, is there a favourite building? I mean, maybe it's because, of, you know, we work together, live together, we're both architects. So our travel is usually centered around architectural destinations. <laughs> so um, we recently went to um, a Portugal, which is kind of a hotbed of, you know, architectural um, inspiration for us. And so that was really exciting. And then we went to Mexico recently, um, and that was, I think, you know, for me growing up as a child, my dad was obsessed with Louis Farrakhan. So to, to find, you know, we had, he actually did like made our basement into like a Farrakhan inspired space with like pink walls. And it was, it was kind of amazing. But so to finally go and visit his own house and some of the other work that he's done in Mexico City was for me, like personally, really meaningful and actually like super inspiring like we've still i mean if you see what we did at 77 washington that project that we did there's a we call it a louis barragon window there's a square window that's divided in four and it's it's our you know barragon moment um in brooklyn but um so yeah i think for us it's like the travel and seeing architecture is, is one of our passions and is there any like on the list of places that you you know like the bucket list? Yeah, I mean there there are things on my bucket list that Max has already checked off like Ron Chomps, Balls, Salvador. Yeah. I would love to see and, and like other architects that we admire. There's another couple, a uh, uh, Chilean couple, Pezovan and Rochalzen. Uh, we saw them lecture here in New York several years ago and. 
and just the way they talked about both their partnership uh, and and how they're they're so inspired by art and also art is so baked into their process like they do a lot of paintings and drawings um, as part of the design process and that was really really inspiring to to listen to and, and see uh, and, and one of the things that they I think when you search them this image shows up is a, a photo it is of them right it's a photo of them um, in running in a circle where they're at the opposite ends of the circle and it's this kind of metaphor of of the, a leader being followed and a, a follower being, being a leader and this ambiguity of that I think it, it ties nicely and, and and is similar to the analogy of the tennis doubles team uh, where your roles are uh, simultaneously uh, applicable and all constantly changing but then you are there you are disputed and there's this ambiguity there um, so that and obviously their work is stunning and beautiful they're, they're you know kind of discipline and rigor in singular use of material um, and and creating spaces that really challenge like what you imagine your preconceived notion of living spaces uh, I, I think are so exciting and I, I think you know it's not a type of architectural environment for everybody but as an example it helps um, constantly helps like us reevaluate what we're doing and and going back to that sense of wonder and exploration how do we create spaces that, that make people think about how they live and and um, how do they best support how people want to live well thanks so much for sharing that with us and also do let us know if you make it to australia Yes. Happy to provide some tips. But yeah, I just wanted to say thank you so much for your time. It's been really lovely chatting to you both. And um, yeah, I'm sure I speak for everyone saying that uh, we can't wait to see what comes out of the studio next. Great. Thank you. Thank you. This was fun.